0: Welcome to the Essay for FA's Acid Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors. I am your host, Gil Weinreich, and today we will consider protecting ourselves from a calamitous market crash. Wait a minute, didn't I recently make buy recommendations in some recent podcasts? Indeed I did. I'm not talking about an imminent crash, just the one that I think will catch investors unawares when it does occur it behooves us to contemplate this eventuality during these especially heady times for stock investors. S&P 500 stocks, tech stocks, emerging markets, you name it, have gone on to huge annual gains in what is being aptly termed the everything rally, because all sorts of assets have gone up, up, up in a down, down year. Recall the entire world economy plunged as a result of pandemic and yet the stock market has relentlessly risen despite the crippling effect of people losing their jobs. Although the labor market is in recovery mode, we are nowhere close to achieving parity with the pre-COVID jobs trend. Read any bullish economic analysis and you'll see all sorts of catalysts supporting stock prices, but there's one reason you'll see in every single one of those analyses. Indeed, it is the same one you'll see in all of the bearish analyses as well. It is the role of the Fed. The Bulls cite the Fed's intent to keep interest rates at the zero bound until 2023, as well as its massive bond-buying program as the ultimate catalysts for the rally. The Bears cite the same thing and warn of a day of reckoning when the Fed will lack the ability to respond to a crisis since it's already lowered rates to the ground floor. I have been asked where I stand on these questions since, in previous podcasts, I have offered criticism of Fed policy and the direction of the economy, and yet, I have also proffered some stock recommendations as if Doomsday were not just around the corner. Well, I'm glad you asked, because I do believe we are not in a normal market and that things won't end well, but neither I nor anyone knows when or in what form this ending will occur and it's never a good idea to invest as if the world is about to come to an end. You'd have been wrong every time so far. Because I believe there is simultaneously room to invest and reason to worry, I prepare for both the positive and negative at the same time. I have long called for an equal weight portfolio that is one-third stocks, one-third real estate, and one-third cash. During today's giddy times when majority opinion calls for buying, my cash-heavy policy is what I like to call cautious pessimism. And during down markets, when nobody wants to buy, I use the identical policy, but with an opposite-sounding name, calling it cautious optimism. In either case, it recognizes that the market goes through cycles. That said, I stress my view that we are not in an orderly market cycle, but rather in a disorderly one, where the financial powers that be are heavily distorting asset prices through fiscal and monetary stimulus. What that means is, first... I don't congratulate myself if a stock pick does well. It's hard not to do well these days. I will congratulate myself if I correctly identify an investment that will remain strong years down the road, even after a stock market crash. Of my recent recommendations, I expect Ambev to fall into that category. Second, not only do I not give myself a whole lot of credit, but importantly, I also don't give a whole lot of credit to other stock market analysts, including the vast number of them who know a lot more than I do about how to analyze a stock. My reason? The ability to perform an analysis is compromised by distorted price signals. The U.S. and other central banks have pumped many trillions of dollars into the financial system for years on end. So why pay any heed to discounted cash flows and other tools of fundamental analysis when the so-called risk-free rate of money has been systematically and quite openly distorted for so long? It could be that some analysts would argue the opposite, that with the Fed publicly committed to a certain rate regime for a certain amount of time, we've never had a more reliable discounting mechanism. No less a personage than Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has given voice to this idea, saying at a press conference in December, and I quote, "If you look at PEs, they're historically high, but in a world where the risk-free rate is going to be low for a sustained period, the equity premium, which is really the reward you get for taking equity risk, would be what you look at." Quote. In other words, Powell is letting investors know that the Fed is exercising its vaunted put option, continuously restoring the level of falling stock market prices. As the Financial Times put it, especially cleverly, the old Greenspan put is now a Powell promise. Fear not, the Fed is there for you. So while many bulls will cite reasons for optimism such as corporate earnings, a V-shaped rebound in economic growth, crude oil demand, and so forth, to my mind, the expectation that the Fed will always step in to rescue the markets, as it has with increasing intensity and reliability since 1987, has far more explanatory power. To some investors, this means one thing, buy, buy, buy. Whereas I, your humble correspondent, am cautiously pessimistic, heavily hedged with cash and cash equivalents. My reason is that I do not assume an omnipotent or omniscient Fed. On the contrary, I am persuaded that the Fed and federal government will both one day appear as the emperor wearing no clothes. Their credibility will dissipate in the blink of an eye, triggered by a black swan their mandarins failed to anticipate. That's why I'm more apt to use a political discount mechanism in this highly political age. The new administration wants to aim its firepower at methane. That's why I argued last week for buying Baker Hughes. It's not a forever investment, just one that discounts the future value of compliance with methane reduction standards. My Ambev pick was based on a historical discounting mechanism. Just as people drank beer 2,800 years ago, so too will they be drinking it 5, 10, and 100 years from now. So a fallen-down drunk stock price for a company with dominance over one of the biggest beer-drinking markets in the world probably has sound growth prospects once it gets back on its feet. Summary, buy for the long term, and at a time like this, consider even buying for the short term. But definitely keep some dry powder, because the bull market's critics are right about one thing. This is not a normal market, and neither do we inhabit a normal economy. You'll want to have more than stocks when cash becomes king again, and you'll want to own real estate when rents skyrocket. So take risks, yes, but take precautions as well. This is Gil Weinrich for Seeking Alpha.